This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special podcast series entitled Corporate Case Management in the Era of the DOJ's Monica Memo, sponsored by iSight Software Solutions. Over this five-part podcast series, I will be visiting with Jacob Fickner, Director of Partnership Development at iSight. In this series, we consider how the Monaco Doctrine and the Monaco Memo have impacted compliance in several key areas around investigations. In part one, we take up the Speak Up Culture. Part two, strategic triage. In part three, ethical investigations. In part four, the Fair Process Doctrine. And in part five, how data drives prevention. Over this series, we will not only detail the changes brought by the Monaco Memo, but how compliance professionals can respond to these new challenges. First, a word about eyesight. Uncover, investigate, and prevent incidents and misconduct. Eyesight is a powerful case management platform that streamlines your investigative processes so you can focus on prevention. Recording incidents, responding consistently, and collecting data means messy spreadsheets, information over multiple systems, and wasted time. Mishandling even one incident risks fines, lawsuits, and reputational damage. Reach out to eyesight.com for a demonstration to learn how you can streamline your investigations and starting investing in prevention. In this part one, the importance of Speak Up Culture. This special five-part series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm joined by Jacob Fickner, the Director of Partnership Development at iSight, for a special five-part podcast series. Jacob, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Pleasure to be here, Tom. Jacob, as you there have been some significant announcements from the U.S. Department of Justice now over the past year, which have really re-emphasized many of what I think many of us thought were the nuts and bolts of compliance, and they've made them even more important in addition to other developments that the Department of Justice has put out for us in the past year. And I wanted to explore some of these with you and ask or inquire how you would help a company think through responding to these new developments. And it really started with a year ago when the Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco gave a speech where for the first time the Department of Justice talked about corporate culture as a key indicia that the Department of Justice would evaluate if a company was in an enforcement program. And that speech led to corporate culture being evaluated in enforcement actions over the past 12 months. And it was also a part of a now formalized doctrine called the Monaco Doctrine and memorialized in something called the Monaco Memo. So corporate culture has now been a key assessment that the Department of Justice will do and I know that's something that iSight thinks about, talks about, and really helps companies think through not just a big picture of what is culture, but how do you create a culture? How do you assess that culture? How do you monitor that culture? How do you, on an ongoing basis, continuously improve your culture? So I wanted to maybe start with what are your thoughts on a speak up culture or even why is speak up 
so critical to a good corporate culture? Yeah, Tom, I, I would also echo that for our organization, we've seen an uptick in terms of organizations reaching out to us in line with the speech. Now with ethics and culture, again, circulating to top of mind of chief compliance officers across the United States, really the first step, how do we encourage and foster a speak up culture? And where we traditionally start with our clients is differentiating between a whistleblower hotline and service and calling it whistleblower program versus a speak up culture. And if we focus specifically on the speak up culture, it's moving away from potentially the negative connotation associated to the word whistleblower to one of really fostering and encouraging your employees to speak up and voice any concerns if they encounter them. And there's a difference because what we're trying to do is foster that community or sense that hey, if I see something or if I'm made aware of something, I can go and there's multiple different channels where I can voice my concern and they will be heard by the organization. And so really for us, it's that two-step process of building a multi-channel approach to voice concerns and then having a process in place to have a consistent approach to dealing with a concern once it's been voiced. So I have, or when I began practicing in the compliance space, simply having an online reporting portal hotline was best practices. What you've just articulated is an evolution of what we used to call hotline, whether it's internal reporting, and now we try to call it something close to speak up. And I wanted to focus on one of the things that the literature has bore out, which is that employees really want to be able to walk into their manager's office and raise a concern. It could be as dramatic as, oh my God, I've discovered a legal violation, but it could be something as simple as, I saw this, I didn't understand it. I have a question. Could you help me understand? Could you help me explain? And having that that human interaction. And so that's led a lot of companies to understand or recognize that they need to provide their middle managers with additional training on how to both intake that type of information and report up. And I wanted to use that incredibly long-winded introduction to really ask you, when your clients and customers come to iSight, how do you help them think through that key middle manager component? And can you help give them a something for their toolkit or train them to fulfill that role, which used to be almost automated, but really now is the human element. Yeah. And, and that corresponds with even the ACFE study and from report of the nations in terms of do when individuals submit a concern, if they're going to submit a concern first to a peer, they traditionally go to their manager. And so we've seen a breakdown in the past where the manager might not be equipped with the training or the knowledge or even the tact to respond to a complaint or concern once they receive it. So really, it's similar to encouraging a speak up culture. The step one is let's train them in terms of what we do when we receive a concern. 
So objectively look at the concern, active listening, hear what the employee is saying, and then have a process in place to how to respond to that complaint. And so traditionally, it would be, again, giving them an easy way to be able to report the concern through an online form, text, phone call, whatever it might be. But given that process where if that concern is voiced, here are the steps that you should follow it up by informing that we have a process in place and setting expectations is another key one where we ultimately want to set expectation for the employee that has come forward in terms of next steps and roughly the process that will follow from there so that once they've taken that active step of coming forward with a concern, they know that my voice has been heard and that there will be a process followed and that they have a rough expectation of what that process will be. Oftentimes we found organizations would come to us and they fell down on that step of, we encouraged the speak up culture. The person came forward, voiced their concern to a manager. The manager said, we're looking at it. And then they didn't know what happened to their concern. Was it ever reviewed? Should I be waiting for a follow-up? Will I receive a follow-up? And that's where we see that an employee can or the stress that an employee is going under increases as they don't know, I made it that active effort and now I don't know what's going on. Jacob, there was a fabulous study, I think, that came out two or three years ago by a fellow named Kyle. He's a professor at Georgetown. And he took a look at a large amount of anonymized whistleblowing reports. And he had two key findings, perhaps three. The first was companies that had what he called a culture of speak up had a material reduction in overall fines and penalties. And in the accounting world, material means a 5%. So if you're a multinational, multi-billion dollar company, that's a big number. But even more importantly was that if a company had a culture of speak up, not simply a reporting, which is what you really seem to be getting at, that the company was more efficiently run and more profitable because employees don't just bring legal violations or those types of concerns. They'll bring suggestions. They'll bring new ways to do things. But the third part was that after, and you just began to talk, not hint about it, but talk about it, after that report is made, what happens? Typically, a lawyer from the general counsel's office will say no retaliation. That's the legal response. But you talked about it in terms of affirmative how do we keep the reporter engaged? Do we communicate with them that their issue has been received? Do we go back for additional input? How do we keep speak up culture going throughout the process? And I wanted to maybe get your thoughts on that culture of speak up and how critical that is from where you sit. Yeah. And I think you raise the exact point of what we've seen with our organizations is ultimately Speak up culture is not just about potential misconduct, but it's also ideas that employees might have. And so if I come forward with an idea for a process change, uh, a, a new initiative, and I'm shot down by my manager, it's less likely that in the future, if I did see some form of misconduct, that I'll come forward and voice that I saw something that should be reported. And so it is this cycle where by encouraging one, you're encouraging the other. And optimally, that will serve the organization 
in a beneficial manner. And so when we implement a formal system, it's ultimately about taking a process or an idea, like how do we encourage culture, openness, speak up, and then having a process in place and a tool in place that can enable the voicing of concerns from multiple different channels. And then as mentioned, the ability to actively keep the person that's submitted a complaint or concern up to date as the process moves forward and then having rules in place to keep that process in moving forward based off what the organization established. So we have the complaint, we assess it, but at the same time, based on the nature of the complaint, we already know that we should be keeping the person up to date, informed on these various steps or milestones as we transition through our process. And so one great example is it starts with a two-way portal. So the ability for an initiator to submit their concern, but also to actively be able to look up the status of their concern and potentially add additional information to their concern, enabling them to either remain anonymous or choose to be named and associated to that concern or allegation. So the United States Securities and Exchange Commission and a couple of other agencies have not simply whistleblower reporting systems, but actual bounty programs. And these bounty programs are extraordinarily successful. They're successful in bringing legal violations to these agencies for prosecution. And the lesson I take away from the agencies is that by having a reward system for reporting, it has improved the quality of the regulations, regulators enforcing the regulations. Corporations, though, they don't typically have a bounty program, but they are equally incentivized to use the whistleblower system. So I wanted to maybe end with, I don't know if this is a hope or whether you're starting to see companies understand the real power of internal reporting, the power of whistleblowing, the power of speak up, and how, leaving aside the regulatory component that I just articulated, do you see companies really understanding this as a key tool for overall business efficiency and process, and of course, preventing legal violations from getting worse? I think the attitudes have definitely changed as of late, and we're seeing that emphasis, that increase, that oversight, that this isn't just a cost center where we're investing and checking a box because the DOJ or a corresponding regulator told us to, but it can actively affect the bottom line. And really, it came from being able to structure a process that gave us data that then could be presented to the various stakeholders. And that step there of if we put a program in place that we enable reporting into, have a structured process to take it, walk it through, ultimately we're learning a lot of valuable information as we transition through the various steps that you can leverage integrated BI tools or reporting tools to trend and analyze. And that's been one of our focuses is that ultimately when organizations first started working with us, they might not necessarily been made aware or might not have been in a position to use data to articulate their effectiveness, their return on investment, the effect that compliance has ultimately on the bottom line. But now that we have that data, 
that's where organizations have started to use it to be able to show to their various stakeholders, let it be leadership or the board of directors, what the effects of a good compliance program and the effects of a bad compliance program look on the bottom line. And that's where the investment has started to come in as organizations see that having a strong ethical program in place that encourages first culture, speak up, and then a structured process that gives us the data that we need to reinforce it is a benefit to the organization. Jacob, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode where we take up triage. Before we leave, Jacob, if listeners wanted any more information on the topics we've touched on today, where would be the best place for them to go? I'd encourage listeners to visit our website, www.i-site.com and visit specifically our resource center. You'll find a wealth of information around compliance and the investigative process. Jacob, thanks so much. And I look forward to continuing this conversation. Same here, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you will join Jacob and I tomorrow where we take up the topic of triage. As Jacob mentioned in the podcast, we have linked to the iSight website on the show notes but it's www.i-site.com. So check them out if you'd like any more information on any of the topics we've touched upon in this podcast. This podcast series has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.